You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast is not investment research and nor does it purport to make any recommendations. Rather, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be relied upon for any investment purposes. You are advised to read the full Global Economics and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at www.combankresearch.com.au. Hi there. My name is Dennis Vosnesensky, the Agri and Sustainability Economist at CBA. This podcast is coming off the back of our just-released weekly report, Brighter Canola Outlook by Year End? Question mark. Uh, we're recording this podcast earlier than usual this week on Friday the 23rd due to an upcoming travel plan in rural Victoria. Uh, the downside is that we won't be able to tell you about what hopefully turn out to be quite notable uh, rains on the west coast of Australia. Uh, that's being forecasted by the Bureau of Meteorology. Um, but on the upside, uh, the next update will include a little bit more information on what's happening down on the ground in Victoria. Now, joining me today to wade through the world of crops and prices is my colleague and sustainability economist, John O. Uh, what's been happening, John? Hello, Dennis. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast again. Um, yeah, nothing too much. It's been a great week so far. And uh, yeah, talking markets, uh, I saw that prices continue to decline this week, Uh both overseas and locally. How big have the declines been, Dennis? Well, it's actually been a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, we, we did see corn prices decline just over 2%, soybeans around that similar range, 2%. We saw European canola prices or rapeseed decline just over 2%, 2.5%. Uh, but global wheat prices actually rose uh, this week, uh, around 4 4 to 5%. Uh, of course, it's going to vary by the time this podcast is released. This is, again, on the Friday the 23rd, uh, but a bit of a deviation there. Yeah, and uh, why have the majority declined and why have wheat prices um, contrary arisen? Well, look, uh, let's cover the decline first. One of the major factors pushing prices lower uh, for corn and soy and as we've talked about previously on this podcast, the soybean market is incredibly important for oil seeds. Uh, so why have those prices declined? Well, part of it is that we saw about a 20-day dry spell in Argentina recently. Uh, that was very important because if we look at when corn and soy is harvested, it's around March, from March and April. So we're getting to the real pointy end. It, it was very dry and hot for 20 days. It's improved. Uh, there would have been damage to crops, but right now the forecast is for better conditions moving forward. So that's on the soy and corn front in South America. If you look at the US, yes, we're still a fair way away from planting around April, May for corn and soy. Um, but <clears throat> having said that, uh, the conditions for planting do remain very good. And if you look at the three-month outlook by the Clim U.S. Climate Prediction Center, uh, it's average to above-average rainfall forecast for a significant amount of the cropping regions. Uh, I think, look, with, with wheat prices, they have been quite volatile over the last couple of weeks. And possibly it may have just been oversold considering the geopolitical risks that still remain. And one factor that we touched on last time is that Canada is very dry. Canada is a very large producer of wheat uh, and hence uh, a very important uh, factor in determining uh, prices. Uh, two more things I would quickly mention is that on farm stocks around the world, whether you look at places like the US or Brazil or for, for those of you in Australia, if you look at those who are still holding canola, uh, stocks are still quite high. Uh, and what it basically means is when you have large stocks uh, on farm, it limits uh, upside in any price rally. So if something happens around the world that typically would cause a price upside, if there's a lot of, a lot of stocks on farm, it typically suppresses that upside. So prices would rise a little bit and someone would sell into it. 
Now, the last factor, uh, it's that the demand side continues to struggle uh, and and that's, uh, that's limiting upside as well. So on the wheat front, yes, we did see a bit of upside. Uh, I think that's, you have to keep in mind that's following quite a significant decline uh, we've seen recently though. Yeah, so you just mentioned demand side there. And talking about demand side, it's always tricky to grasp um, relative to the supply side. What are you, what are you seeing there? Well, let's talk about China second because we usually bring it up first when talking about demand. Uh, I think uh, from what we're seeing, demand is starting to struggle in multiple importing countries. We've talked about some of them on this podcast series already. I have an example of a country that we don't typically talk about, not very frequently. It's Nigeria. It's the most populous country in Africa with just over 200 million people, closer to 220 million people. Now, Over the course of an average marketing year, Nigeria usually imports around five and a half million tons of wheat. Uh, And since early February, their currency, uh, due to both something we won't go into in detail, but due to local policy measures and economic challenges, their local currency against the US dollar has actually declined 42%. Uh, so this obviously creates a challenge when you have to import, when you're a country that ha- relies on imports uh, of, for example, wheat. So there's more and more of these demand challenges starting to crop up, uh, if I may use the term that way, uh, around the world. Yeah, that's not looking very good in Nigeria. How about on like looking to China? Like last week, there were some hopes that piglet prices were on the rise. What's happened so far? Yeah, so there was a little bit of hope last week after Lunar New Year that piglet prices, the, the rise in piglet prices may be a bit sustained. I think in reality it was only temporary. Uh, the latest data we've seen is that piglet prices have stagnated over the week while hog prices have restarted their descent lower. Uh, there's also, interestingly, I know we're talking about demand uh, and this will impact the import demand of China. Uh, there's industry reports that the Chinese corn crop that they harvest toward, harvested towards the end of last year is actually notably bigger than official estimates. Now, if that ends up being true, uh, of course, that is a depressant on uh, the total demand, the total volume import uh, demand, if I'm saying that correctly, for 2024. Uh, so if they produce more locally, they'll require less to be imported. Now, let's wait and see what happens in the January import figures that should be released somewhat soon. Uh, that's going to be really interesting because there's been a lot of talk about declining Chinese demand for imports, but we haven't seen the data for January just yet. Um, but if you look at the overall picture in China, Chinese consumer confidence it declined substantially in 2022, and it hasn't really recovered since. Consumers are still very wary, uh, weary of economic activity and what it means for their own personal finances, which of course depresses their consumption of, for example, meat, and then uh, that results in lower demand for feed and imports. Okay, Dennis, and just looking onto the local market, what's happened to wheat and barley prices? Well, we saw a decline in both wheat and barley with ABW1 wheat prices, depending on the port zone, declining 1% to 2% on the week. Uh, feed barley declining 1% to 4% on the week. Now, uh, it looks like in the local market, we're starting to, the, the pricing changes and moves that we're seeing is the local market starting to digest what uh, better seasonal conditions mean for supply and demand in Australia and pricing. I think what's really interesting to see is that the premium of Australian wheat prices compared to global levels hasn't really stopped to take a breath. They've been declining considerably. And if we look at, for example, Geelong track APW1 wheat, uh, that is almost at parity compared to overseas levels. When I was looking at it last, it was around $2 per ton. And a week ago, it was $20 per ton premium. We look at Quinana. uh, That's, of course, an FIS price. 
it had the highest premium until recently. Uh, actually, no, sorry, the premium is still the highest out of all the different regions. Um, but it's declined to around $40 per ton. That's from $65 per ton premium last week. And when I was back in WA around two weeks ago, it was closer to $70 per ton. Uh, and if you are interested to see, just to hear about the reasons for what is happening now in WA, please go back two podcasts ago where we talk about what's happening to WA production and what it means that WA, what does it mean for pricing uh, the fact that WA is an export oriented state? Um, can it disconnect from East Coast prices to what extent? Now, go have a listen to that. Uh, now, if the rains that by this point, when you hear this podcast, did not eventuate over WA, uh, we could see those premiums recover. If the rains did come, uh, and production prospects are looking better. I know they, they won't improve it perfectly, but they'll at least put it on a runway to improvement uh, towards planting in April. Uh, we could see those premiums soften further. So, um, on the East Coast, yes, we're getting closer to that parity to global level, so for APW on wheat. Uh, if, <clears throat> I think, unless it does go significantly drier, for, uh, if the forecast suddenly changes, um, if it Yes. So if it does get drier, we could go in theory go to negative uh, to negative premium. So it'd be a discount uh, to global levels. It does seem early in the year how quickly that premium has declined to almost parity in some port zones. Uh, but that's that's what happens uh, when it rains and pours sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Dennis, you named this podcast "Brighter Canola Outlook by Year End." Is there some optimism there despite prices in some port zones starting to dip below $600 per tonne? Yes, uh, I, I'm, st I'm still optimistic about canola by year-end and moving into 2025. Now, let's, let's take it from the beginning. Yes, canola prices have declined a considerable amount. In fact, they've now declined below the forecast range for our local canola pricing that we put out in our 2024 outlook. If you're a client, go have a look at the reports. If you're not signed up, speak to your local banker. You'll be able to get our reports released every single Tuesday. Uh, so yes, below our forecast range. Uh, but when I look at the supply and demand for 2024-25 globally, it still remains a positive outlook. It looks like stocks are declining. Now, if we move towards the very end of the year and into the first half of 2025. Uh, the reasons I think the environment's more supportive is that you see production in Canada, Australia and Europe on the whole is expected to decline. Uh, and as we move close towards 2025, uh, we, Again, towards the end of 2024, closer to the beginning, sorry, of 2025, we see that increased crush capacity coming online in Canada, which means less Canadian canola can compete with Australia. And um, <clears throat> something I go into more detail with on the in, in the written report is that Europe may actually require more canola as well. Uh, and, and the reason is, is that phasing out palm oil and their palm oil imports, even in 2023, I believe were the lowest in 11 years. So they're phasing out palm oil. You still need something for biofuel uh, inputs and that could be canola. So by year end, in my mind, it's still a positive story, but that is a far way away. And w what if, for example, the, the situation in Canada turns around? I know it's dry right now. It could improve considerably. We're still... What, what are we now? How many weeks? I'm not sure how many weeks, but early May is the real point where canola planting gets into full swing in Canada. If we get to that point and it has rained, for now it hasn't, uh, that changes the story. 
So if I were to summarize here, it would be fair to say that globally there remains limited upside for now based on a few factors. One, a lot of grain soon to be harvested, good prospects for soon to be planted crops. Secondly, um, struggling demand from both China to all the way to Nigeria. Thirdly, farmer stocks remain elevated in key export markets. And lastly, locally, good seasonal conditions are taking away that premium we had due to global levels. Have I missed anything there? Look, I think overall, that's a great wrap up. Uh, One thing I would say is that if we look at wheat, yes, global stocks are rising. It's more that the significant rise is more for corn. But if we look at wheat, yes, stocks are rising, but they're not rising to record levels by any means or any stretch of the imagination. If we do see a significant supply side disruption, for example, from the Black Sea, price upside is still definitely on the cards. But you know, we have to forecast the future somehow. And at some points, we have to assume nothing too left field in those forecasts and then go, all right, what could, we, could be wrong about those forecasts? And this is one of those factors. Global stocks are not at astronomical levels by any means. If they're just rising, if we do see a significant supply side disruption, uh, that price upside is still uh, on, on the cards. That's a wrap. Um, you can find both Dennis and I on LinkedIn. And Dennis is also on X, previously known as Twitter, at VOZ underscore D-E-N-N-I-S. 